Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. Our gospel reading comes to us from Carol. It is John 15, 1 through 8. This happens to me include my confirmation verse, uh, which was John 15, 5. I, I was surprised. I've asked several people uh, over the course of this week if they remember their confirmation verse, and very few people have remembered it. So if you do remember yours at some point, if you want to share it as we go through the service so we can see what they are, that'd be great. And if you don't remember it, that's okay as well. But Carol is going to read the gospel for us. This is a gospel reading from John 15, 1 through 8. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord, the Word of God for the people of God. I'm going to stop sharing my screen, because what I'd like to do this morning, I'm going to give my sermon uh, live. I did record it. I have it ready to go. It's actually in the slides, but I like the way it came out a little bit better this morning uh, with people here, and I made some modifications to it since recording it on Thursday. So we're going to see how this goes. Last time I did it was Easter, which was fine when I tried this earlier in the year. I struggled a bit of the way through it, but hopefully this will work and uh, we'll go for it. So um, Bible is confusing to read, isn't it? You know, show your hands if you've ever been confused. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not raising your hand, it means you haven't read the Bible. <laughs> um, but one of the things that makes it confusing is that it seems to say contradictory things. 
We hear one passage say one thing in one place and another passage say another thing in another place. And that happens this morning when we get our two readings. We have the first reading from John, 1 John, and then we have the gospel reading from John. And this is where they seem to contradict each other. After the gospel reading, it could be almost instill a sense of fear within you. While there's definitely good news within it, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? There is something that connects us, that roots us. Um, and that is great. And we also hear, if you don't imbibe, abide in me, those branches will be cut off, thrown into the fire, and be burned away. And you could hear how this passage would be used to, you could say, beat other non-Christians over the head. That if you don't, right, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, then be prepared to burn in hell, right? That's where that, the, that image of that far side cartoon. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to you. The overriding sense or emotion that occurs in that is fear, isn't it? It's not love, it's fear. I better believe or else. And yet we get in the reading from 1 John, what does perfect love do? It casts out fear. There isn't a place for fear within, um, within God. I don't think God operates that way by so much scripture. So if somebody comes to you, and I want to get a little bit more into this John reading, right? The Bible says this, right? A very Lutheran response is to say, yes, and the Bible also says other things. Because one of the characteristics of John is that there's this certainty throughout. And we're getting to that more later. And so you have different sayings of the last sayings of Jesus on the cross. One of the things that I really appreciate about Christ on the cross in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is what Jesus says at the end. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here are people that aren't just rejecting Jesus. They are actively killing him. And the words of Christ on the cross are, forgive them. It comes from this place of love, empathy. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, so why then does this Gospel of John portray it something differently? Why is this this overriding sense of fear that is embedded in it? And it's because we need to know a little bit more about John's gospel. We talked about this before. And scholars are always kind to understand more about the context, who wrote it, when was it written, who was it written to. But some of the things that many scholars think about John's communion, we've talked about it, it was written to a small gathering of early followers of Jesus that have been kicked out of their local synagogue. They are the branch that has been lopped off or cut off. And so for this early community, you can only imagine 
the kind of doubt or insecurity, anxiousness, nervousness that they might have among themselves about this decision they made to follow Jesus. Did we make the right one? They have been cut off from an integral, central aspect of their life. Are we going to be okay? So John's gospel is written in a way that is so reassuring to them. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they write in parables. It's kind of hard to understand what exactly is Jesus saying, while John's gospel comes right out and says it. Um, and, and this is why we got to be careful with John's gospel, too. It has been used for anti-Semitism throughout the centuries because it is written to this community that has been ostracized or kicked out of the local synagogue, there is a thread of um, real harshness or anger toward this, that local synagogue that runs through it. And you could see that come through here that it's not, you are the ones who you're told you're kicked out. No, these other ones are the ones who have made the wrong decision. These other ones are the ones that have, uh, you know, uh, uh, that aren't followed, right? These other ones are the ones who should be in fear. And so this is that's a thread that runs throughout John's gospel, but I think we need to temper that. Remember, the Bible says a lot of different things. There is some fear in it, but there's also an overriding sense of love and forgiveness and empathy and compassion. So we can't just lift this out and say, see, the Bible says it, I believe it, that ends it. We have to hold it in attention with all these other passages that speak to something different, that come from this First uh, John reading. Love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Or hold it in tension with Christ on the cross and other gospels, where Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so as we read scripture, we have to think about where we think about it all. And we take an override, in my opinion, we take this overriding message of love that encompasses God as one that is stronger or more prevalent than this one of fear and understand why might that fear come through in our gospel readings. But I want to talk to other passages. Uh, it is springtime. Has anybody gone outside and done some yard spring clean? How many people do not like doing that yard spring cleaning? <laughs> Notice my hand stays up. There is some work that I don't mind doing around the house. Yard work is not one of them. I like mowing the lawn. I'll put in headphones and I get behind the mower and I just kind of walk and I don't mind it. But once it comes to raking, once it comes to weeding, once it comes to planting, ugh, there's really, I would rather do so many other things. And therefore, we have some bushes that line our yard. If you face our house, they're on the left side of the yard. They border uh, our neighbors, and they're supposed to be lilac, lilac bushes. Notice I say supposed to be lilac bushes. Because you can't really tell. Because the last few years... The, the flower blooms have not come up. One of the things I love about lilac bushes is when they're in full bloom, what do you notice about them? Not only the beautiful color, but what? Yeah, I like people are right away. I see Jerry right there, the beautiful smell. It just seems it's, they're so fragrant. 
I remember the first house, I never really noticed it, but the first house we had in Wheaton was actually my, my grandparents' old house. There were some lilac bushes also that bordered the yard with uh, the neighbors. And it was the first time I saw them come in and I never really noticed it before. And so when I saw these bushes at our new house, oh, that was something to look forward to. But they're not really coming into bloom these last few years. And so we had someone out, a landscaper out at our yard because our yard needs a lot of work. And like I said, I don't like to do it. And so I wanted to get a quote. What would it cost to have someone come through and aerate it? What would it have to someone to come back and um, uh, thatch it, dethatch it, get all that dead grass out of there, right? So things can, can spring up, the grass can be healthy. And while he was there, I said, you know, do you mind coming over and looking at these bushes? And if they're not doing well, and he's like, really, here's your issue. Underneath, there are so many different shoots coming up of so many other different plants, of so many other different trees, of so many other things that it's really choking out. It's not allowing these lilac bushes to grow healthy because so much of the nutrients are going to other sources. He's like, really, if you want these things to do well, what you need to do is get down on your hands and knees, get some clippers or shearers, or get a pitchfork and dig them up and cut them out. And you're just going to have to, to give in to the thought that it's going to take uh, several times over several years to get this done. If I had to wager what those bushes are going to look like a year, two, or three years from now, do you think they're, I'm going to do that work? I'm not. <laughs> thoroughly don't enjoy it. So instead, I justify. Anybody else justify not doing work sometimes? <laughs> I'm going to say, but that's natural. That's how they should be. Whatever's the strongest, that's going to come forth. And I'm going to decide not to do it and justify not doing the work. Justify not cutting things away to let the health of these bushes come through. I use that example because in John's gospel this morning, it talks about pruning, doesn't it? To the, the branches that bear fruit need to be pruned back in order for more fruit to be born from them. Because they are capable of more in order for them to live to their potential, I guess you could say. Some work has got to be done. Things have got to be pruned back. How many people enjoy doing work on yourself? <laughs> it's not always pleasant, is it? Because you have to name things that are there that you would rather avoid, that you would rather justify, that you would rather explain away. And instead of doing the hard work on ourselves, we'd rather blame somebody else. It's easier for it to be somebody else's fault, isn't it? Yet in scripture, it talks about us being pruned away ourselves. There's a reason why we need to talk about issues going on in the world today. Why we need to talk about sexism, why we need to talk about racism, why we need to talk about poverty, why we need to talk about war or violence or all of those kind of things. And how we participate in it because it is all of these things that are preventing the world from actually being the way God created it to be. From beauty and goodness really coming 
forth and coming through. Now, I wish racism wasn't an issue. Anybody else wish that? I wish other people would just say, can't you just get over it? Wouldn't that be nice? Yet, if that is the position we always take, is anything ever going to get better or is it ever going to go away? We're just going to be dealing with those same problems year after year after year and seeing the same tragedies occur year after year after year. As, Christ, as Christians, we are compelled to do the hard work, to be who we are created to be, not out of fear, because if we don't, we're going to be thrown into the fire. Rather, you know what would be great? Anybody have a bad day in their life sometimes? Right? We all have bad days. You know what I really would enjoy? After a bad day, I pull into the drive, I open my door, and this row in the spring of lilac bushes is in full bloom. And I open the door after a bad day. You know what would be really nice? If I open the door, what would I smell? Those lilac bushes, right? To lift my spirits. To remind me of goodness that is going on in the world. To, to be reminded that the evil will not last and to participate in it. But those lilac bushes aren't going to prune themselves, although we are asked to do pruning ourselves. But that's why we come together in a community. That's why we gather each Sunday, Wednesday, whatever it might be, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's in person, um, to be reminded of, to give be given glimpses of what, who we can be, of what the world can be, and to be compelled to live into that, to be so caught up in the goodness and beauty of the creation of who we are that we can't help but to participate in it. We can't help but to name injustices and evils and violence and chaos that are going on in the world. And we can't help but to participate in activities of the light. To me, this is what this gospel message is about, right? To recognize where our source of goodness is coming from, to let that be what feeds us, right? And to recognize what is sucking that away from us? All these other things, right? These lilac bushes, all these other things that are draining the goodness from these lilac bushes. And to not justify and say, well, this is just the way it is. But instead, be so caught up in God's vision that we can't help but get down on our hands and knees and dig into that soil and get to work participating in it. Amen.